0: NRL Rewind, hosted by Matt Nomowski Hello NRL fans and welcome back to the NRL Rewind Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Normovsky, and welcome back to the Sunday session where we'll go through every game for round seven of the Telstra Premiership. And what a round it was. Again, similar to last week, some of the some of the form teams of the comp really laying their stamp of approval on this competition. Some of the struggling teams were able to pick up some victories, and a lot of teams that you know we had some high expectations on us to fall a little bit short and leaving some of us guessing here. So we won't waste any time. We'll jump straight into it. First game of the round it was from BlueBet Stadium. The Penrith Panthers 24 defeating the Newcastle Knights 6, and the Panthers just playing with their food at the moment. The last couple of weeks, you know, a lot of people are asking why the Panthers aren't really running up some scores on some of these teams. They're not needing to. Some of the way that they're just really controlling these games, their forwards, their line speed, and obviously the quality halves in Cleary and Luai, just really taking the Panthers game to another level. You know, they're defeating teams by 20, and it's really, really easy and simple for them. You know, Stephen Crichton crashing over in the fourth minute, Burden doubling up in the 18th minute, and from there they just coasted to the end. A couple of late tries to Dylan Edwards and Brian To'o. Um, But this was just, like I said, it was in cruise control, second gear stuff for the Panthers. And it's a couple of weeks in a row now against the Broncos and now the Knights where they're really just, you know, not being conservative, but they're trying to get through their sets. They're trying to make sure that, you know, all their combinations are there, their plays, you know, they're hiding their plays, not really showing their hand. And it's really effective, you know. Obviously, there's some teams that are, you know, like the Melbourne Storm who are putting 40 on the bad sides every week but that's not what the Panthers MO is they, you know they get in there they do their job and they get out their the injury toll you know they're back to full strength now uh Dylan Edwards returned in this game Upside Upside Chorus back next week so all hands on deck for the Panthers just really really impressive stuff and you know at home at Bluebet it's going to be the team that walks into that stadium and can really uh take it to the sword there I, I don't see it happening you know they it looks like they're going to get the minor premiership pretty comfortably from the looks of it if they keep on this form. And that means the finals, the, the path of the grand final will go through Penrith. And any team that wants to try and come through Penrith and get a win there, I just don't see it happening. So from the Panthers, you know, there's not much, too, much, too much to say like last week, you know, they just get the job done. Cleary just looks like every bit of the best player in the comp at the moment. And that forward pack and the line speed, is just something to be said when, you know, teams make consistently... 20, 25 meters in a set of you know six tackles. That's, it's really impressive. From a Newcastle side, look, you know, no Mitch Pierce right now. You're looking at the Kurt Man and Blake Green show to try and get you some spark. Not happening in this game. Kalen Pong was pretty well neutralized after running right over the Cronulla Sharks two weeks ago. This was really kind of back to where the tight, the Knights will you know be around this season. They're going to be around that six to ten range in in terms of the ladder position. You know, against the really bad teams, they're going to be able to, you know, show out, and the quality over the park will get them over the line in most times. But against, you know, the big, the big five, um, I think it's going to be a bit more of this. You know, Mitch Pearce is going to be a big, huge in for them. They really need him to come back. Um, but you know, I've, I said before the season, Newcastle's forward pack is one of the best in the comps. But it showed today what happens when they go up against the best forward pack in the comp. They got pr- pretty, pretty neutralized very easily. Like a guy like Mitch Barnett against the poorer teams in the comp, being able to run wild on an the edge there. Uh, just wasn't there for him in their side. And, you know, you look at this Panthers attack, you know, kick out was not really anywhere to be seen in this game, you know. So they're getting it done in different ways. Isaiah Yeo was probably the best man on the park, really controlled that middle third of the field, um, that beautiful scrum play to get Edwards over, you know, copycat off the Cronulla Sharks grand final, Ben Barber try. Just little things like this, you know just shows the, the talent discrepancy between these two sides. And again, Newcastle will push for a top eight spot. But, you know, if it's one versus eight, and if it's, you know, you're looking at, they, they're able to sneak through round one and get a victory and then they're up against the Panthers. I think you'll see a bit more of this. So if you're a Panthers fan, you know, don't be concerned that they're not blowing teams out. Like I said, right now, it's kind of like they're just playing with their food. They're, they, you know, getting the getting the two points, not getting any injuries. They're just getting, going through their sets. For the Knights... Look, you were going to walk into the Penrith Stadium and, and take the victory there. You know, didn't get too many injuries from the looks of it. Everyone came through pretty un, pretty unscathed. Ponga another week back, in some match fitness. So you just move forward with this one and you just go to next week because essentially, you know, you're not going to beat this this top Panther side, but you can do some damage uh, later in the comp. We move on to the second game. It was the first Friday game from Seabour Super Stadium at the Gold Coast. It was the Gold Coast Titans 30 defeated by the South Sydney Rabbitohs 40, in honestly probably the most upside down clash of the season. First half it was a day for feeder show, a first half hat trick just bowling over the Rabbitohs at will in his first in one of his tries. Seven tackle breaks broke out of you know Adam Reynolds twice, ran over a couple of forwards. It was just you know incredible to watch. But then that second half, Benji Marshall turned it back to 2005 and you know just really was able to put that team to the sword, and if you're a Titans fan, it's really disconcerting that you're at home, you've got a huge lead, you know, you've gone into the break uh, after scoring probably the try of the season, uh, Corey Thompson running the full length of the field, busting tackles, linking up with a flick pass to Jamal Fogarty, uh, but just not able to keep the momentum, you know, able to get it back uh, in the 68th minute with Tyrone Peachy, but then uh, Benji Marshall again just, you know, coming through in the clutch, and I come out of this game not really impressed with both sides, you know. The fact that this Rabideau side that we think is a Premiership contender to leak 30 points against a pretty up-and-down Titans team, you know, it's pretty concerning if you're looking, you know, if we're going to go into a blockbuster with the Rabbitohs here to see if they can, you know, neutralise the, def- the attack of other sides, it's pretty concerning. But even more concerning from a Titans side, not only did you have that victory, if you're a Titans team and you're scoring 30 points in a game, you should be really winning those games. The fact that you leak 40... And the way that they leaked them, some of the tries were just simple, you know, overlap, creating an edge. Just, it's not good stuff. And, you know, the Phil Sammy wing and Brian Kelly really got torn apart a little bit in this game. So, you've got to wonder from a Titan side, you know, they've they've got some really good performances in them. We've seen what they've done to some of the teams. But their losses this year, first round to the Warriors, basically all ends up get defeated. The return of Tom Turbo last week really got put to the sword in Mudgee. Now, this one, leaking 40 at home, which is not what you want if you're trying to establish yourself as a top eight side and, you know, a premiership threat. So, Justin Holbrook, like I said last week, has a lot of thinking to do with this side. I think, you know, what are they going to do with that edge, the Phil Sammy edge? You know, he's an origin player, but does he need to be in this side? Is Ash Taylor and Jamal Fogarty, you know, obviously some success there, but is this the half combination that's really going to get you over the line and get you the performances that you need in a big game? Because to me, the... You know, Dave Fafita's rolling, but the AJ Brimson show, you know, I, I was expecting a lot more from him this season. Just, again, this Titans forward pack, the way they were rolling, should have really put a number on this Rabbitoh's one where Totola only lasted a couple of minutes. You know, that's a, one of their key forwards. And again, bo- both sides to me have a lot of questions marks. Obviously, the Titans, they had the lead and lost this game, so, you know, Holbrook's got a bit more work to do here. But even from a, you know, a Wayne Bennett coach side, Talik. Uh, 30 points. It's, it's not way embedded material, so it won't surprise me if he goes back to the drawing board. Obviously, a huge out in Latrell Mitchell. I think you did see Latrell's work at the back shop a little bit here. Alex Johnson is a now an out winger, not a fullback. So you know, organising the play, you know, getting your numbers to shift over. It's all stuff that you know the box score doesn't show, but the good fullbacks do a really good job of it. So you know, by all by all means, no panic stations from the Rabbits. They're able to go up to the Gold Coast and get the two points. But I think definitely some work to do. And Wayne Bennett will have them humming this week uh, to see what they're going to be doing there. Next up, we go to the second Friday game. It was my at Eels going up to Darwin to host the Brisbane Broncos. And they got out on top 46-6 here. Not really a competition in this one. Very different to the round one game where the Broncos jumped the Eels early on. And there was an Eels comeback in the in the second half. This was from start to finish. Mike Acevo crossing over in the first minute. Really did sum up how this game was going to go. Tavita Pengo got one back in the 10th minute, but then from then, just out and out carnage uh, from the Parramatta side there. Mike Aceva with a hat-trick. Bryce Cartwright looking like an absolute stud like he did in his Panthers days early on in his career. And Clint Gutherson and Mitch Moses having two of their better games of the season. Really like to see, you know, they were able to bounce back after that Dragons performance. We wanted to see how BA would get the team up. And emphatic faction here, you know. Really hot conditions, humid, 31 degrees. On a Friday night, looked like the ty- the forwards were visibly tired, you know, minutes into the game. The sweat coming off the guys, you know, obviously not great conditions to play in. But the Parramatta Pack just really, you know, got, rolled up the sleeves and did a number on this uh, Broncos side. And it's really, if you're a Broncos fan, you know, you have some performances this year where you can kind of go, you know, even though we lost pretty heavily, you know, we can take some things out of this game to move forward. This was not one of those games. There was not one aspect of the Broncos side here. That really, you want to shine a light on, say we can move forward next week. Their defense was not great. Their attack was not great. And their resistance, you know, from like I said, they conceded a try in the first minute and they conceded one in the 77th minute. So there was no stretch of this game where they really held in and buckled in to make Kevi Walters really proud of the, of the performance they put in. Not much more to say about this game, really. You know, Parramatta, like I said, they're firing. Dylan Brown was back in the lineup, had a really quiet game. The only thing of note, looks like Will Smith may have broken his thumb in this game, so it looks like there might be a bit of a reshuffle for the Parramatta side. Now whether you know Hayes Parramatta has come over midweek from the Warriors, whether he now factors into this side, whether that means Bryce Cartwright gets an, Im- an improved role as a utility. It's going to be interesting. You know, A guy like Isaiah Papali'i came on, really dominant first uh, part of the game, did get subbed off uh, and didn't come back on. So you know they're obviously resting the forwards that they want to rest. And Ryan Madison, which I think is a huge in, played a full game of New South Wales Cup, scored a try, set up another one, 180 metres, got through without any uh, post concussion symptoms. So, looks like he's going to be able to take his spot uh, this week in the Parramatta side. So, it'll be interesting for Broad Arthur to see do they move Poppelie back to the bench or do they bench Sean Lane and move Maddow back to his preferred side? So, it could be very interesting times. But I guess if you're a Parramatta fan, you know, you put 40 on a team. You've got one of your best players coming back in the lineup. It's exactly where you want to be. So Brad Arthur has his team hunting. A couple of injuries, but again, um, they're getting fit when they need to, and they're they're rolling over the teams they need to roll over after that disappointing Dragons loss. From a Broncos, it's really, really... You're you're searching for answers if you're a Broncos fan. Obviously the news now that Tom Deedon has signed with the Cowboys, and we saw what Reese Walsh did uh, recently released from the Broncos, who was... Everyone thought it was going to be the, the fullback of the future for this Broncos side, and he just lit it up you know, in a losing effort against Melbourne. So it's just a lot of question marks about where this team is going and this club is going. So Kevin's got a huge couple of weeks now to really try and right this ship and get the results that they want to get. Uh, but more importantly, he needs to start really thinking about 2021 now. Sorry, 2022, because he's got to work out which of these youngsters he really needs to re-sign, get them and you know, play them. Because now when you look at it, What's the point of Kevin Walters keeping Tom Dearden in the, in the starting seventeen every week? Now he knows he's not there next next year, so you know he may be the best half out of all the halves they have. But realistically, if he's going to try and win games and rebuild for next season, I don't see why Tom Dearden plays in this side. Similar to why J. Clifford isn't in the Cowboy side. You know, Todd Payton really early on said, "I'm not going to play a player that's not here next year." That you know is in a critical spot. I think we're at that stage with Tom Dearden now, so it's going to be very interesting moving forward, and especially for TLT to see where we're going to see the Broncos line up, especially in the number 7 jersey. Move on to the first Saturday game. It was the Cronulla Sharks hosting the Kennery-Bankstown Bulldogs. And Trent Barrett and the Bulldogs got their first win of the season, defeating the Sharks 18-12. Jumped them early, got out to an 18-0 lead, and were able to hang on for the 18-12 victory. If you're a Sharks fan, uh, like I said last week, there was a there was one of two ways this could have gone this season. The team could have really pulled through for John Morris, who, you know, they were obviously huge fans of in that locker room. It was either going to be they're going to pull pull really close for him and, you know, get some victories to show this is what he did for our club, or it could go the complete opposite way under our rookie coach in Josh Hannay, waiting for Craig Fitzgibbon to come in next season. And within these two uh, games since, I think we've got the answer there, they fell short against the Knights. And, you know, the scoreline did reflect a pretty close game, but multiple times in the game, the Knights were up by two scores. And in this game, a team like the Bulldogs just getting up, scoring four tries, three tries in the first 21 minutes and able to hold on for a victory. If you're a Sharks fan, I think you're really starting to scratch your head now to see where this season's going to go. You've got Sean Johnson back, who obviously looked like a guy who hadn't played footy in a long time, so he'll ease his way back into this lineup. Uh, but Matt Moylan, looks like he's finally got his first injury of the season, so it looks like he's picked up a calf complaint. So hopefully only two to three weeks out for him. But I think you did really uh, see that they missed his attack just able to direct, he's a very good direct player. You know, Sean Johnson, Chad Townsend do really nice things drifting across the field, but Matt Moylan gave him a bit of structure and straightened them up. So I think you did see a bit of a loss there. So it'd be interesting to see, again, when Matt Moylan is healthy because to me now when you look at this side, maybe Chad Townsend's the, the, the man to, again, not with the club next season, he is with the Cowboys. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what some of these clubs now start to do now that players going to be out of this lineup now moving forward. And they're on with other clubs. But again, Josh hannay has got a huge, huge task here. This, this 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 season can get away from them very easily here. So you want to make sure that you know, you're know you picking the players that will do the job for you and that they're putting in the full 80 minutes because for the first 20, they were asleep in this game. From a Bulldog side, obviously got the win. So it, it's already looking up from where they were the last couple of weeks. They went those stretch of games without scoring any points. They've come out here, you know, they lost to the Melbourne Storm, they lost to the Cowboys, they get up here, but they're scoring two, three tries a game, which is, you know, it's an improved attack. And to me, Nick Meany was a huge in. Uh, Dallin Wattin and Zalesniak was out in this game. Nick Meany rushed back from injury. And again, another player who just straightens, straightens the attack for you, you know. There's something to be said when you're... A lot of teams can go sideways and a lot of teams can slide, but you need that hard runner who can either dig into the line or really take the line on and with a direct run. Either get a quick play the ball or catch that defense out. And I thought McMe- Nick Meany was outstanding in this game. Kyle Flanagan had an okay game, but to me this was a Jake Avrilo show. And again. We're now seeing after that little break, whether it was he was dropped, whether it was the ankle injury. I think you're starting to see Jake Avrillo really coming into his own here. And it's going to be an interesting one when Matt Burton comes in next season. Because I think Jake Avrillo needs to be in this side somewhere. Whether he now he slots into the centers... Where he's a 14, I don't know what he is, but he's something, and you've got to play those players because they're the ones that create you the the spark. And another another one to mention for the dogs here, it was probably the best game of the four pack this year. I thought Dylan Napa's first scene, I think he had 10 runs for 120 meters, was outstanding. Really laid a nice platform with Luke Thompson. And again, like I said in this uh, before the season, the Bulldogs were going to be improved from where they were last year. They had to be. But it was all to me, it was all about that forward pack. And how they can roll on. And I think you're starting to see if Dylan Arpa can really roll up the sleeves and do a job there, Luke Thompson now back. You've got guys like Adam Elliott, Corey Waddell, you can have Josh Jackson coming back into this side and late in the season, hopefully Raymond, Faye Tyler Mariner, you know. There's some forwards here that can get a job done. So if you're a if you're a Sharks fan, you're starting to scratch your head now. Where's this season gonna be? I finished I tipped him to finish 13th at the start of the season. Now I thought that was predicated on uh, Sean, Sean Johnson not coming back till maybe mid-season he's back earlier now so whether he can now right this ship and you know the coaching fiasco doesn't really get involved with the performances uh, it's going to be very interesting but from a Bulldogs fan look you've got Parramatta next week whether you can take down the mind of Parramatta while they're in form it's always one of those classic derby games so it could happen but to me, it's just an improved performance, and Trent Barrett now is going to start to see who's his 17 every week, and that's in, that's all you need now. You just got to see who's going to get you as many results as you can this season, but then also who can take you to the next level next season is the main thing here. If you're a Bulldogs fan, moving forward for the rest of the season, we will move on to the last Saturday game. It was a it was a probably to me one of the games of the round really from Co- Queensland Country Bank Stadium, the North Queensland Cowboys 26 defeating the Canberra Raiders 24. And like I said in TLT, this was if you're gonna pick an upset in this round, to me this was the one. Ricky Stewart swung the axe, and when when teams swing the axe, you know it could go both ways. They can really respond, or it could be trying to mask a bigger problem. And not saying that the Canberra's culture is rotten or there's there's problems here. They're obviously one of the one of the top six most quality sides in the league, but a side like Canberra should go to North Queensland and put a number on them, not just take the win. Put a number on them and to me this was a valentine home show he had a strong strong performance since he's moved into the fullback jersey you've seen incrementally getting more involved more improved and this cowboys attack is just looking more fierce he's really doing the turbo and the pappenhausen you know sniffing around the ruck on third and fourth tackle taking a nice quick hit up to get the get the meters rolling you know scott drinkwater and ben hampton i keep saying it every podcast Not one of the half combinations that you want moving forward, but they're getting the job done. Scott Drinkwater, Ben Hampton, a really solid kicking game. You know, not putting many balls in a touch, getting the ball to where it needs to go. And, you know, some of the edge players, you know, Condon again scoring for another try. You know, you had Jordan McLean was in this game. Cohen Hess probably had his best game at prop since he's moved there. Just a lot of things to like about this. Kyle Felt scoring again. If you're a Cowboys fan, it's three in a row now. After the doom and gloom of the first couple of rounds, I think you're starting to see Todd Payton really put his mark exactly like he did with the Warriors. Don't forget, the Warriors in his first game, first couple of games last year, I think they got 50 put on them by the storm and they lost another game convincingly. A caretaker coach isn't going to come in to a side that they've never had before and instantly round well one, pick the best 17 and know what he's got. He's got to go through the trials and tribulations and I think you're starting to see now that rough patch of the first four rounds, he was tinkering with the side. You had Clifford in there. You had, you know, you had Scott Drinkwater at fullback. You had Val on the wing. You had all these different combinations. Hessel's on an edge. Then he got benched. Now he's a prop. It's all about figuring out what's your best 17. And, you know, Todd Payton is starting to work out. Look, he's not going to crack the eight. I don't want anyone to think that they're going to go on a run here and crack the eight. I don't think that's really possible. It could be, but I, I don't think so. But to me, it's all about setting up for 2022. Chad Townsend, Tom Dearden are going to be in there for the halves. A really important season now for Scott Drinkwater. Where does he fit into this team? Because it looks like Valentine Holmes will be on the fullback. So does Drinkwater get a new contract? Does he have to move clubs? Does he go to 14? It's all the things that you need to work out, you know. You've got Tom, Jason Tomololo, their best player coming back into the side. So to me, it's going to be so interesting to see where the Cowboys go. It's going to be one of the teams you're going to have to watch for the rest of the season now because, again, I don't think they're going to string 10 wins together and crack the eight. But in terms of storylines moving into 2022 and seeing what players are on rosters and where they're going to fit, one of the more intriguing rosters here. From the Canberra Raiders, you just got to shake your head. You got to say, "What's going on here?" Again, when you swing the axe and you drop some players like they have, you know, if, to drop an international like Joe Tarpany all the way to the reserves, to me, that looked like a team that could have used Joe Tarpany lo- uh, on Saturday night. You know, I think everyone is underestimating how big of a loss Charles Nickel had was. That that burst from the back. You know, a lot of people saying Caleb Aikens gonna give you, you know, 90 percent of it. Not true. Chans will give you 25 meet, 25 run meters a game. But again, it's a setting up of your, of your defensive line. It's the threat out the back. It's all these different things. And does he come into the side and, you know, win the game? Possibly. But again, when a team makes changes like this, when the coach like Ricky Stewart basically says last week, some guys, he don't deserve a first grade jersey. It's really, you know, they scored four tries in this, in the first half here they were up and they didn't score for the rest of the game if you're going against a team like the Cowboys and not scoring for 40 minutes, with the amount of talent in your roster, questions need to be asked. And I think Ricky Stewart's going to have a really big heart-to-heart with his team this week because, again, it's not going to surprise me if some some players get axed here, you know. I'm a Jared Kirker fan. I, you know, he's done a lot of good for the game. Is it time to have a, a tap on the shoulder to, to Jared Kirker and say, we need to have a talk here? You know, because I don't know, if, if Matt Tomoko is the centre in that game, if, you know, whoever else, you know, Josh Papali'i was on the bench uh, instead of Emre Gould, who had a good game, but he's not Josh Papali'i, you know. These are the things, you know, we need to work out. Tom Starling, who had a great end of the season last year with Josh Hodson out, didn't look like the same player in the first half, you know, had had a couple of nice moments, but to me, you have a guy like Harvili on the bench, only used at the end of the game, and if he's your impact to try and win the game, what are you doing, really? So... Not going to question Sticky, one of the best coaches in the game, but I think he's going to, have to, he's going to have a lot of work to do this week to see where he needs to get this team moving. But yeah, like I said, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're ecstatic, it's three in a row. You've got a scab that you didn't deserve to get, really, when you look at the table. Um, so you just keep moving forward. We'll go on to the Anzac Day clashes. There was the first match from Bankwest Stadium. The West Tigers hosting the Manly sea Eagles, And for the second week in a row, we were treated to the Tommy Turbo show. Manly sea Eagles 40 West Tigers, six. Two teams going in very opposite directions here. The West Tigers going down, down, down. Reports now that the board is having crisis meetings talking about the future of Michael Maguire. For what it's worth, they had come out last night and shut that rumor down. So what that, for what that's worth. But obviously, anytime those rumors are getting out there, it's being leaked by someone. So whether that's the Michael Maguire camp, whether it's the West Tigers cam, whether it's the players, it's coming from somewhere in the club. And you look at the Manly Eagles. everyone said, is this a one-man fix? Can one man turn around the fortunes of a club? Two games in, it looks like it could be. The way that this attack just looks... The way that a player like Dally Cherry Evans and Kieran Foran, who were struggling for, you know, to create overlaps, to create attack, to get some directness about their game, Tom Turbo, the way he runs the ball, he's not... In all the runs that he did, two guys hanging off him, brushing them off, Never always look standing up when he's running, you know, breaking the tackles. When he gets into the open field, he's not sprinting. He's keeping his pace, hitting, that, hitting the guys. It's just so impressive. The board to Garrick, beautiful cut out straight to the wing, into the corner. It seems like there's just, you need a marvel. And when we say, you know, is this a Tom Turbo fix? Well, is it wrong to say that Tom Turbo is a top five player in the NRL when he's fit? Because when he's stringing performances like this, it's hard to argue. You know we always like love to debate who's the best fullback in the game and everyone throws out their rankings you know Teddy one gutho six you know Pappy you know depending on what the round is but Tom turbo when he's fit how can he not be one or two it's ridiculous what he's doing he's dragging this side that was winless after the first couple of rounds didn't look like they want to score a point they've come in with 240 port performances now the Titans okay they might be the biggest chameleon of this comp getting wins and losses back and back. And yeah, the West Tigers, you know, a team like the Newcastle Knights hosted the Tigers and got beat. So it's all about who's put someone in front of me and beat them. And Manly have smashed two teams in a row with that man at fullback. So it's just so, so impressive to me how they're doing. In this game, how did it go? West Tigers got up early. I did kick deflection. Luciano got over and crashed over in the 11th minute. And then from there, was 40 points straight. So if you're a Tigers fan... I said the biggest problem with this uh, biggest problem would be the defense of this comp of this side. Before the comp, I said this would be the worst defense in the comp, and I'm not looking wrong at the moment. Holes everywhere. James Roberts is not James Roberts of 2011 anymore. He's not he's not you know the young guy coming through the Titans side. He's not you know Bar saw me at the Broncos getting an Origin jersey. He's washed. There's no other way to say it. Like love James Roberts, he's an exciting player, but he's not first grade material anymore. You know, a guy like Tommy Talao has a lot of potential, but right now probably shouldn't be playing first grade. Luke Brooks, we're up to year eight of Luke Brooks looking great, and it's his team. To me, Adam and Dewey's your six. Is it time for Jock Madden to come into seven? Let's try something else. Let's let's try something. You know, Jacob Little was not one of your worst players in the first couple of rounds. You benched him straight to the reserves for Moses Mbai, who you've publicly already said, pick a new club next season, we don't want you. These are the things I'm talking about. Players who leave next season are not wanted. They're not playing crucial roles in this team. Why is Jacob Little not the 9 and Simpkin is the 14? Why is that not the case? To me, there's just so many question marks about this, ty- this, this Tigers team. The forward pack, Big Stefano, probably the, one of their most impactful forwards in the first five rounds. Played 30 minutes in this game, one stint, and he didn't come back. While the Manly Seagulls were scoring 40 points, I think they would have liked to. Impact impactful that could have, you know, made some meters and made their tackle. So to me, I don't know what to think of this Tigers team. And, you know, crisis talks, if it's happening or not, I think it's very close if it hasn't happened already because, you know, this team is a dead set shout for the spoon. And it's all about now try and work out what you're going to have for next season. Now, Michael McGuire not have that, might not have that big of a leash and he might follow the John Morris route this season, but they've got to try something different because right now it's not working. From Manly side, very quickly. Really impressed with their forward pack. Their forward pack, you know, the the forward rotation of Paseca, uh, Alloy, Tapau. You know, a guy like Sipley coming off the bench. Love what they're doing. You know, Jake Chavoyev, which was probably the tenth best player on the field for Manly this game. When a guy like Jake is one of your, not even one of your standout players, it's a good round. When a guy like Kieran Ford, who should be like one of your masterminds attack is not in top ten best players, it's a good round. These are what you need to do when you're a good club. Guys can come in here and have a great game. Like Ruben Garrick's transformation since Turbo's come back and feed him on that edge. He's looking like one of the best wingers in the comp again, like he did a couple of seasons ago. So if you're a Manly fan, you're cheering. You've got your boy back. Hopefully he stays fit. I'm putting it out there right now. We're doing an Origin special soon. He cannot play Origin this year. I don't care if he does another five man of the match performances in a row. Manly should go to Brad Fittler and say, you cannot select this man to play Origin. He needs to get a full season or mainly under his belt before he even thinks about representative football. And I want to see, as a New South Wales uh, fan, I want to see Tom Turbo in the centres, but he needs to be—he needs to get some form here going. And the way he's going right now, he's showing you he's one of the best. But don't overload him, you know. In three weeks, if Dez says here's a break, I'm not going to be mad at him at all, you know. Work him back in because what he's doing now—he's getting some nice breaks at the end of these games. Last week he got 12 minutes on the bench. This game got 15 minutes on the bench. Love it. What have I always said from the, when I started this podcast? If you're up by 30, get your superstars off the field. Nothing is gonna. Nothing is gonna change the outcome of that game in the last 10 minutes when you're already up by 30. You know, if he gets another try, what's that gonna do at the end of the season if he tears his Hummy again? Put him on ice like they're doing. Rest it. I love what they're doing as a manly fan. Moving on to the traditional uh, late game for the uh, Anzac Day. It was the South, the Sydney Roosters hosting. The St. George Illawarra Dragons from the SCG. And the Roosters getting up 34-10. to 10. In this game, it's a huge storyline. James Tedesco fouled his HIA due to a, a pretty reckless tackle there from Jordan Prairie who got Simbin for it. They're on a six-day turnaround. It's his third concussion in 10 months, uh, we heard after the game. So we know the Roosters are very cautious with their stars and concussions. So will we see an extended period for James Tedesco on the bench? Does he open up a guy like Joseph Sawali to come into this side? A couple of different storylines. But I think you've really got to look at this game and look at Sam Walker. Again, just really, when you look at this team, and I said it in the TLT uh, podcast, Marschke is not a first-grade uh, hooker. You know, They brought him in from the reserve grades. He was playing Jersey Flegg. Trying his best, but in the NRL in 2021, you've got to get good service to your halves. And as soon as you saw Sam, Sam Beryls come on the field, this game switched. Because it turned into the Sam Beryl, Sam Walker show. And they really, really put a number on this Dragon side. If you're a Dragons fan, you're very disappointed with the second half of this game. They really, really let themselves down, you know. They scored the first try. And then just got rolled the rest of the game. Sam Walker was controlled. You know, a guy like Drew Hutchinson on the other side is not, give, not offering much at all. He's just really passing the ball, kicking the ball, but not doing much else. Not taking the line on, not, not creating overlaps. That's Sam Walker's job, and he's doing a great job as an 18-year-old, 80 kilos, you know, you lose your best attacker in James Tedesco, a lot of 18-year-olds would crumble under that pressure, and he was able to really right, right the ship, a couple of nice assists, got himself a try, had the pressure of goal-kicking as well in this game, missed the first couple but then nailed some later on. If you're a Roosters fan, like I said, do we put your name? Do we put the line through the, through the Roosters' name to win the premiership this year? It's very, very tempting to, but you can't. You just can't with the way with that coach and that talent on the roster, you can't do it in a big game. If they have to go to Bluebet Stadium and try and take on the Panthers, or they have to go down to Amy Park and take on Melbourne, do they win? Probably not right now, but you can't rule them out. And if they need to put James Tedesco on ice for three weeks, I think they will. Joey Minor will go to fullback, they'll either bring in Matt Icavalu or Blood Joseph Sawali, whatever they're going to do, but they're going to, you know, they've still got a four pack that can do a job, you know, Boyd Cordner. Potentially is back in, you know, three to five weeks. So you've got another origin stud coming back into this seat, into this team. So if you're a Roosters fan, you just, it's, things are looking up for you, you know. It was a rough start in this game, you know, coming off the the loss from the Melbourne Storm the week before. But you wrote the ship and you got the job done. You beat the team you needed to beat and you move on. Obviously, a pretty damaging injury in Tedesco. But again, I think this team is well structured enough where a guy like Joey Manu, who would be a very, very nice fullback at a lot of clubs... Uh, he'll be able to go in there and do a job. And if Sam Walker keeps leading this team around the park, Sam Beryl gets healthy and can play a full 80 minutes and get that service crisp for 80 minutes, Lock on Lamb looks like he's back in two weeks, they're going to get some pieces back. And a Trent Robinson side, you're not going to bet against them. So you're a Roosters team, you take the win and you move on. If you're a Dragons fan, it's a season of ups and downs. You know, good performance, bad performance. Good performance, bad performance. You know, to me, Ben Hunt can't come back soon enough. Looks like he was on the reserves for this game, so he should be back next week. It's a huge in. If they can get Ben Hunt to play the game, the type of form that he was doing before his injury, they'll be able to ride the ship and stay around that top eight contention because, you know, some of their forwards, you look at a guy like Tarek Sims, just having a career uh, renaissance here, really just, his crash plays are one one of the most damaging ones in the game. You know, when he's within five meters of the line and that crash play, nearly unstoppable. So if you're a Dragons fan, look, you got smashed in this game. You beat uh, the Parramatta Eels a couple of weeks ago pretty convincingly. You've just got to get that consistency in your game. And a guy like Anthony Griffin as the coach will get that from them. So I think Ben Hunt's a huge inclusion back into this side. And then from there, they'll be able to string some wins together and see what they got there. Moving on to the last game of the round. It was the Melbourne Storm 42 defeating the New Zealand Warriors 20 at Amy Park. In this game... Like I said, there's two different ways the two best teams are doing their performances at the moment. The Penrith Panthers playing with their food, getting the job done, doing what they need to do. The Melbourne Storm are looking to out now, just embarrass teams and really put put their edge on, get as much out of the performance as they can. And from a Craig Bellamy side, of course they are. When he's up by 30, he's still swearing in the box and he's got, you know, his emotion on his face. But this was a really, really convincing game, you know. A couple of late tries made the scoreline respectable from a Warriors side, but this was really an out-and-out mugging here from the storm. Jerome Hughes slowly, slowly cleaned up the list of best halfbacks in the comp. Really, really polished. His running game is amazing. He's getting a nice little kicking game involved. His partnership with Munster is really, really blossoming now. And you look at a guy like Nico Hines coming in for Pappenhausen, who looks like he's going to be out for at least another two weeks from the sounds of it. So Nico Hines, again, one of these fullbacks that comes into this side that a lot of fullbacks would love to have a guy like Nico Hines, at fullback. So the rich get richer, you know, when they, you know, Papenhausen is on a resty shoulder here, but he's also getting just rest because he was really running himself uh, to the bone in the first couple of rounds. But they're doing a good job here of resting what they need to rest. And they're just getting the job done, you know. In this game, at O'Carr, it, it was one of the first games in a while where I saw the one, two, three, four, and 5 all score. So the whole back line scored for the moment storm. So both sides of the park through the middle they were just eating them alive. Now if you're a Warriors fan, there's a couple of outs you can do here. You're playing a second rower at half back. You're blooding an eighteen year old at full back. You had another you blood another nineteen year old in the centers. You're doing that on Anzac Day in Amy Park, full house against probably the second best team in the comp. Probably wasn't gonna go well for you, but there was enough there was some positives, you know. Tuvashek got eaten alive by Adokaro on the wing there. It's his first game up in the line on the wing in 8 years. So if you're always behind at fullback, you're organizing the line, you're not having to be up in the defensive line being possibly caught out every every play. It's a huge difference. So Tuivaava will get better at that. Reese Walsh came in, had some beautiful touches. Those last two tries, the kick and the pass for the assist. You love to see it if you're a, if you're a Warriors fan. There's some things for this team, you know. They had every they had every right this season to not be at, back in New Zealand, to fold again. But they've you know, they're putting some performances together, they're staying around that eight, they're sniffing around the eight, and that's all you want, you know. Again, Harris Tavita, probably the player that was all the preseason rep around, you know, who's gonna be our lead playmaker, injured in round two, so you're without him. There's just there's a lot of out, Adam Fanil Blake, the star signing. As soon as he went out, the forward pack hasn't been rolling the same. There's a lot of built in excuses here for the Warriors, but they're gonna keep going. And you know, a guy like Reese Walsh his development now is now crucial for the rest of the season. If they can get Harris DeVita back in four weeks, Adam, uh, Adam Fanil will play hopefully in eight weeks, you know, towards the end of the season, if they can, you know, string some wins and losses here together, you know, don't go into huge losing streaks, trying to steal some victories here and there. At the end of the season, they may be around the eight and make some make some noise. So, again, if you're a Melbourne Storm fan, they're doing what they're doing. Pappenhausen's getting some rest, but Jerome Hughes and Monsters, you know, this game too... Harry Grant and Brendan Smith did not have great games. They were pretty quiet. It was all through the edges, going to the halves. So they, they're going to have a game like they did the week before and really tear out teams through the middle. So really, really interesting game, this one. I thought, you know, Melbourne really showed what they, what they were all about this season. But the Warriors, even though they did get 40 put on them and there was only a couple of late tries to make the, the scoreline respectable, to me, there's still enough positives in terms of the youngsters that they're blooding this season that... 2022 they're going to have a little bit of cap space They're going to have some new guys coming in with some experience I like the Warriors moving forward And potentially even the rest of this season To make some noise here And that will do it for the Sunday session guys Thanks for tuning in Like I said, round 7, an interesting one We're now you know, more than a quarter of the way Through the comp, so we're starting to see where some teams Are going to fall into place We've got a very interesting round 8 TLT With some suspensions and some injuries So there'll be a lot of chopping and changing From some of the coaches you would expect But thanks for listening, guys. Uh, You guys have been great, like always. Please go to the socials at the NRL Rewind on Facebook and Instagram. We'll be back for our TLT pod on Wednesday. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great day and hear from you soon. Cheers.